This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. It has been seven years since 16-year-old Michaela Bally was last seen withdrawing all of the funds in her bank account and attempting to pawn off a ring before completely disappearing from the Yorkton, Saskatchewan area. Michaela was caught on CCTV footage doing several really bizarre things on the day that she disappeared. April 12th, 2016, Michaela skipped school and she told some friends that she was going to be leaving for Regina on a vacation. For those who aren't aware, yes, it is Regina, Saskatchewan. And yes, as a child living in Canada, we did make fun of the city name. Though it has never been proven, it is believed that Michaela was trying to meet up with someone who she was chatting with on social media. Whether or not she was actually able to meet that person, or if she came head-to-head with someone else first, we don't know. What we do know is that something has happened to Michaela that has prevented her from coming home or contacting her family. This is the unsolved disappearance of Michaela Bally. So let's jump right in. Michaela was born on July 2nd, 1999 in Regina, Saskatchewan. At the time she disappeared, she would have only been 16 years old. However, today, she would be coming up on her 24th birthday. She lived in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, Canada with her mother, her aunt, her grandmother, and her little brother and sister. Sadly, she was estranged from her father for the vast majority of her life. This didn't stop her from being a happy, upbeat young woman who the family called their princess. She was incredibly talented at playing both the violin and the piano, and she was dedicated to improving her skills, practicing every day that she had a chance. She had told several of her friends that she had wanted to be either a teacher or a veterinarian when she grew up because she loved kids and she loved animals her favorite animal being her dog, Angel. Michaela was always on the go. Between her music lessons and recitals, she also really enjoyed photography and playing a game with her siblings called Man Tracker, which was basically an extreme game of hide-and-seek. 
and she loved spending time with her friends, especially her best friend, Shelby. At school, she was popular because she got along with just about everyone, and she was known to be a good friend and listener. Her family would describe her as a well-behaved teenager who never missed curfew, which would make the events of April 12, 2016 that much more bizarre. The morning started out as any other morning did. Michaela had school that day, so she was up early and she got ready for the day along with her mother, Paula, as she always did. The mother and daughter were very close, and they would always do their hair and their makeup together in the morning. Michaela and her mom Paula were laughing and chatting as always. Nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary or unusual. Michaela did not appear troubled in any way. While Michaela got ready, she sent a text message to one of her friends to see if this friend would be able to take her to the bank that morning because she had $5,000 in her bank account that she wanted to withdraw. The friend texted back that she couldn't. She said, sorry, I'm already on my way to school and I don't want to be late. Did Michaela really have $5,000? No, not even close. So it's unclear why she would say that to begin with. Maybe she thought that it would convince her friend to take her. There might be something in it for her. Instead, as was the usual routine, Michaela's grandmother dropped her off at school and then dropped Paula off at work. Michaela was dropped at the front of Sacred Heart High School at around 8.20 a.m., and there were security cameras like there are in all the schools in front of the building, and it showed all of that. The video would show that she spent a very short amount of time inside the school, approximately six minutes in total. She was seen going to her locker and then heading right out the back door. Now, let me just take a moment here to step on my little soapbox. Cell phones are an absolute blessing and a curse these days. Back in my day, shakes fist in the air, we didn't have computers in our pockets. So it's a blessing because the majority of Michaela's movements were able to be tracked that day through both surveillance video and from tracking the pings on her cell phone. Without that information, it would have been a whole lot more difficult to track what she did that morning. So a blessing. However, now as parents, we need to monitor what our children are doing on computers that they literally carry around in their pockets. I know I'm aging myself here, but when I was a teenager, my parents allowed me to have a computer in my bedroom. They didn't know half of what I did that really could have gotten me hurt or killed. I would have taken that computer right out of my bedroom and put it in the living room where everyone else is. But nowadays, kids and teens have access to the internet and social media at their very fingertips whenever they want. And it's kind of terrifying. Michaela would be seen on several different cameras that day and at various establishments. She was seen on her cell phone, both texting and talking. Some of the messages sent and received that day were through her cell phone data, so they could be tracked. However, the majority of the message that she was sending and the voice phone calls that she was making were done through apps. Meaning, because her cellular data was not used for those messages and calls, they weren't able to be traced or tracked. It's unclear whether Michaela had considered that, or if maybe the person that she was speaking to intentionally made sure that they only communicated through the apps and not through cellular services. 
Shortly after leaving the school, there was a traceable ping. Michaela's ex-boyfriend texted her to ask where she was and why she wasn't in class, and Michaela responded by saying that she was on the other side of town. Cameras would spot her on the other side of town, talking on the phone, but when the police would later pull her phone records, there would be no record of that phone call, which is how they knew that she was using an app to communicate with this person. At 8.30 a.m., she's seen entering Terry's Pawn and Bargain Shop. She was there to pawn a silver ring. Later on, the pawn shop owner would say that he thought it was strange to see a teenager in his store at that time of the day because really she should have been at school. He said that he declined to buy the ring that she had because it was made out of silver and silver has a very low value, so he likely couldn't resell it. He also said that she gave no indication that she was in any kind of trouble or distress. She was quiet but polite, and she left after he told her that he wouldn't take the ring. From there, she heads to the TD Bank, which is just opening at 9am. The bank teller opening the storefront for the day found the teenager waiting outside for them to open. She came inside and she withdrew all of the money from her bank account, which was less than $60 far less than the $5,000 she had told her friend that she had in there. Next, just after 9 a.m., Michaela headed to a nearby Tim Hortons Wendy's Combination restaurant. She buys a coffee, and then she sits down at a booth. She's seen on the restaurant's security camera playing with her phone. She has a backpack on the bench beside her, which was unusual because Michaela was not known to carry a backpack, not even to school. She used a purse to carry all of her belongings, including to school. So what was in the backpack? At one point, Michaela is seen taking her phone apart and then putting it back together, which makes me wonder if maybe she was trying to contact someone and wasn't able to reach them and then thought maybe she needed to restart her phone. Or maybe she was just bored. At around 9.30 a.m., Michaela leaves the restaurant, and then she begins to walk northbound towards a giant tiger and a superstore grocery store. She would be seen on the security cameras of several nearby businesses, including one video from Home Hardware, where she's seen pacing back and forth in front of the store. Then, she decides to go back to the Tim Hortons Wendy's restaurant, where she once again takes a seat at the booth at around 9.50 a.m. This time, the way that she's sitting in the booth makes it apparent, in my opinion, that she's watching or waiting for someone. She has her back to the booth wall, and she has a clear line of sight towards the restaurant doors and the big window, so she can see whoever is coming in and out very easily. She's also seen in the video looking around. It really looks like she's trying to find someone. Michaela sends a text message to her friend Shelby that read, Hey, I need help. Which at first sounds alarming, but she's a teenage girl. I need help could mean literally anything, like I need help picking out a top for tomorrow. Shelby didn't get the text message until later in the day because she had left her cell phone at home. After not getting a response from Shelby, Michaela sends another text message about 20 minutes later that says, Don't worry, I figured it out. She's seen on the video sitting in the booth for about an hour, playing on her phone and looking around for someone before she gets up and approaches a woman who is sitting at a nearby table alone. 
This woman, who was a complete stranger to Michaela, would later say that Michaela had asked her to rent a room at the nearby Ramada Hotel, but the woman declined. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals that are also dietitian approved. No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day, because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious, with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. 
PSA to anyone listening, if a teenager asks you to rent a hotel room for them, try to dig a little further because something is clearly not right. Michaela gets up and leaves the restaurant and then walks almost in circles. At first, she walks westward, where she walks past the Ramada Hotel. Then she turns around and she starts walking back the other direction and once again walks by the Ramada. There is about an hour of unaccounted time where Michaela isn't seen on any security cameras, but we know that at this point she is still alive because she would text Shelby at 11.35am, I'll see you at lunch. Then she headed back to her high school. She's only seen at Sacred Heart High School again for about 10 minutes before she leaves. But she does run into a couple of people while she's there, and when they ask her where she's going or what she's doing, she tells them that she's taking a bus to Regina. They also thought that she may have had two different cell phones on her at that time. Whether she ever meant to go to Regina is unclear, but when Michaela left the high school, she walked almost a mile or a kilometer and a half for Canadians, all the way to the bus station. An employee would remember her asking when the next bus to Regina was, and she was told that it would arrive in about five hours. Michaela went to wait at the Trail Stop restaurant, which is an eatery that's connected to the bus station, but she did not purchase a bus ticket. Unfortunately, there were no security cameras in the restaurant or even at the bus station, which seems kind of strange to me because I would think that particularly with a bus station, you would want to have security cameras there to see who is coming and going. Witnesses would report that she sat down at the restaurant, she ordered a poutine to eat at around noon. She sat there for over an hour and a half before leaving the restaurant at around 1.45pm. No one has seen or heard from Michaela since then. That afternoon, Michaela's grandmother went to her school to pick her up, but she wasn't there. Her grandmother checked the halls and the classrooms, but again, no sign of Michaela. She was supposed to be attending music lessons after school because she had a big recital coming up, but no one had seen her there. Her family tried calling her cell phone, but they were unable to reach her, and none of her friends had any idea where she was. Just the night before, Michaela had gone out to dinner with a few friends, and she had mentioned going to Regina for a vacation. She had also texted her ex-boyfriend that night, and again, she mentioned that she was going to be going to Regina. Most people didn't really think much of it at the time. I think most people thought it was supposed to be some sort of family vacation. So was Michaela making plans to meet up with someone? All of the footage from the security cameras that day would lead us to believe so, combined with her literally telling her friends that she was going to Regina. They were also aware that Michaela had talked to several different guys online in the past. She typically used apps like Instagram, Snapchat, and Kick, which are known to be three of the worst apps for predators targeting young girls. On March 1st, 2016, Michaela posted a photo on Snapchat with the message, quote, looking for Snapchat friends because I have none in real life. Add me. Please don't be a greasy fuck and send me gross ass nudes. Just looking for a friend. <laughs> oh my God, this girl. <laughs> I feel like she's someone I would be friends with. 
So clearly, she knew that there were gross, creepy-ass guys out there that were targeting young girls, but she may have been lied to. These friends were able to give the police the name of one person in particular who Michaela called Christopher. All they knew was that this person allegedly had a mother that lived in the same area that Michaela lived, so they had made plans to meet up at some point. Investigators checked this lead out, but it was ruled to be a dead end. There was no indication that this Christopher guy, who didn't even live in Canada, was in Canada or the area the same day that Michaela disappeared. There were also talks of another guy named Josh that Michaela had been chatting with, but police weren't able to confirm or identify him. What's really strange is that if Michaela was really thinking about leaving town and going to Regina, she had not planned very well for it. She had left the majority of her belongings behind at home, including all of her makeup, her cell phone charger, and her Accutane medicine, which she used religiously to treat her acne. Michaela was very self-conscious of her acne. She used the medicine consistently for the past few years to help calm her skin, and it worked well. If she was not taking this medicine, she would have been flaring up. It's very unlikely that she would have planned to leave home for any substantial amount of time without those items. Also, Michaela's mother had a substantial amount of cash hidden in the home just in case of emergencies, and Michaela knew exactly where it was. It's kind of odd that she drained her bank account and then tried to pawn her ring when she had access to a ton of cash at home. Very quickly, there was a large search effort and social media presence dedicated to finding Michaela. Investigators were paying particular close attention to social media, just wanting to see who was posting what, who was paying attention to the pages, the search pages, and commenting. Hundreds of tips have been followed, but unfortunately, none have panned out. It does not appear that Michaela was planning to run away by herself or to harm herself in any way. There were whispers at one point that maybe, just maybe, she had taken her own life after her Instagram account was discovered. On the bio line, it simply reads the word goodbye. The account, which only has a few friends, is no longer active, but her friends and family and investigators don't believe that she has hurt herself. It's been an uphill battle, mainly because Michaela was using various apps to talk to whoever she was communicating with that day, and obviously finding who that person is is key to finding out what happened to Michaela, even if they weren't directly involved with her disappearance. A lot of these apps, in particular the messaging app Kick, which I've never used in my life but I've heard a shit ton about it, They don't store information on their users, and conversations are deleted shortly after they happen, so it's really hard to recover information after it's been sent through those apps. At this point, there aren't any suspects, at least none that the police have named, and all of the tips that have come in have been proven to be wrong. At one point, there were murmurs about the man claiming to be Michaela's father, Rick, Michaela was estranged completely from her father, and there is speculation about whether she even knew who he was. To some people, she had even told them that her father was dead. The thought was that maybe Michaela had tried to reach out to him, to meet up with him, and maybe he had done something to her. 
The police have stated that they've investigated it and there is no evidence to suggest that that happened. There was another tip to come in about a bouquet of flowers that had been delivered to Michaela on Valentine's Day. This happened while she was in theater class. When her classmates asked her who sent the flowers, she basically refused to say. Was it another man who she had been chatting with online? Could they have been from someone that she was trying to meet that day? Investigators would look into it, but they dismissed the lead and they have not identified who sent them. At one point in 2019, police received 10 tips in just one week about a possible sighting of her on a cruise ship. But again, it turned out not to be her. So far, since Michaela went missing that day in 2016, there have been no new confirmed sightings of her. Something very interesting did happen about three months after her disappearance, though. On the day that Michaela went missing, her friend Shelby had sent her a Snapchat, and that message had gone unread for about three months. Meaning, someone was using Michaela's Snapchat account three months after the last sighting of her. Shelby has sent many more Snapchats since then, but they've all gone unopened. It has been over seven years since Michaela Bali vanished. Her friends and family, particularly her mother Paula, who she was very close to, continue to fight to find answers as to what happened to her. There is a very real possibility that Michaela is still out there alive, that she's in a situation where she's being held against her will. Those of us who are into true crime know the very real threat of sex trafficking, especially online. It's sadly not uncommon for predators to use apps like Snapchat and Instagram to meet up with teens, not for themselves, but to traffic them across the world where they believe that no one will ever find them. But people can be found, and there's more resources dedicated specifically to these crimes than ever before. We don't know what happened to Michaela, but her family deserves to know the truth. If you have a teenager, or even if not, I highly recommend checking out the series called Undercover Underage on the ID Network. Their team works tirelessly to find and name child predators, and you will not believe the lengths that these monsters go to in order to hide their identity. It's a different world than what we grew up in, so arm yourself with as much knowledge as you can to protect your kids. One of the positive things I read about while researching Michaela's story is learning about the Homeward Bound Project, which is an initiative between Saskatchewan RCMP and Washington State Patrol. They wrap transport trucks in age-altered photos of missing persons. I think it's an incredible idea. Honestly, we should put photos of missing persons on all transport trucks. It sounds like an effective way to really get their faces out there to as many people as possible. When Michaela went missing, she was described as 5 foot 2 inches tall with blonde hair and blue eyes. She has a birthmark the size of a dime on the right side of her jaw, a mole on the right side of her chin, and scars on one of her upper thighs. There's currently a $100,000 reward for information leading to Michaela. Anyone who knows anything about Michaela's disappearance is urged to contact the RCMP, Crime Stoppers, or to visit bringmichaelaballyhome.com. And of course, I'm going to have all of these links and details in my show notes. That's it for me tonight. 
If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper, or I post things on TikTok, Serial Napper Nick, and that's all one word. If you're watching on YouTube, I would love if you can give me a thumbs up and subscribe. I'm over there posting all of my podcasts in video format. Until next time, stay safe, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye.